How's everybody doing? Good. Awesome. Well, how many of you enjoyed the Christmas season? Anybody enjoy this? Man, I love December. Man, you count down to December. Not only that, but how many of you have those Advent calendars? Right, okay. Anybody over 30 that has one of those calendars? Okay, yeah, okay. Awesome, so I'm not alone. Uh, you know, you had to find number two today, and that was a bit of a challenge. Two is a tough spot. It was in the chimney. But, uh, man, I, I enjoy Christmas. I enjoy everything that it's about. But you know what I love more than anything is just the season that it's in because of what it represents. But people's hearts are open to the gospel. People's hearts are open to this man, Jesus, that we're here to celebrate. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, we're starting a new series this, this morning. And uh, we're just talking about good gifts. How many of you are grateful for good gifts? How many of you received good gifts? How many of you received not so good gifts? Uh, yeah, there's okay a few hands. You don't want to say it because maybe your spouse is sitting next to you. But uh, I know about for you. But if you just think about it, what qualifies a good gift? Something you want. Something that is of great value to you, right? Anything else? It's thoughtful, right? Somebody thought about you and what you would like. Like, I've really learned that about giving. Giving is not so much what I want them to have. Giving is about what they would like, right? <laughs> and uh, you know what's so wonderful about our Heavenly Father is He actually had a personal interest in heart and in mind for us. So yes, it's things that we actually needed that He wanted us to have, but it's also things that would be great value and we actually need in our own life. And so some of these great gifts that we actually going to be talking about this whole season is going to be hope, peace, joy, and love. And I know those are real Christian terms, and you hear a lot of those things. You see them on greeting cards all over, especially in the Christmas season, and hope to you, and love you, and bless you, and Christmas, and all, all these things are great. But I don't want to lose the power of what they actually mean. Because when you say the word hope, I mean, a lot of people have got different thoughts about what hope means. And so today, we want to just kind of go back. What is hope again? What does it mean when Jesus came and he restored and brought hope back to the human race? And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to, to talk about hope. How many of you got hope this morning? And uh, we're, we're going to get a little bit more into that. What does that mean? What does that look like? But I'm thankful that Jesus came. And you know what's so wonderful? Not only is his birth, his presence being here wonderful, but actually at his birth, he came and he brought good gifts to us. You know, think about that. Every time that a baby's born, even in the natural world, what happens a lot of times is people bring gifts to the parents, to the family, to the baby, and it's wonderful, right? But when Jesus came, he brought gifts with him at his appearance. And isn't that amazing? You think about that. Our Heavenly Father went over and above to reach you and I with good gifts. And so this morning, we're going to talk about hope. So Isaiah chapter 9, let's turn there real quick. And I want to read you just the prophecy that the prophet Isaiah had when he was looking forward and the Lord God actually allowed him to see into the future what it was going to be like, what this was all about. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, we'll pick it up here for a sec. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Say great light. Great. Now, what do you need? If you're sitting in darkness, what do you look for? Light. I mean, even think about it in the natural realm. What do you do all of a sudden if you've got to use the potty in the middle of the night? <laughs> what do you look for? The light, right? Without light, it's going to be hard to find what you're looking for, right? I don't know anybody you, but I have had some personal bad experiences. Middle of the night, you, anytime, anybody ever had this before where you wake up and you have no idea where you are? Anybody ever had this before? Yeah. And you wake up and you go, man, where am I? And at home, I know I had, you know, you kind of feel the walls. You kind of know where things are. And you got certain direction. I can maneuver and do all these things. 
But, you know, there's been times when I've, you know, in a hotel room or even, you know, family, other family relatives' homes that I've slept over. I remember one time actually being at my aunt's house at the, in the farm. And I remember having to go to the bathroom so extremely bad. But I woke up not knowing where I was. I was in the basement. And guess what? When you're in the farm, there is zero light. Zero light, right? So I remember the, the, I had to go to the bathroom. And the bathroom's a little ways away. And during that time, so what are you doing? You're feeling the walls. I remember walking into walls. And I remember at the very end of it, just go, forget it. I peed my pants. I was young. I was 18. Okay. <laughs> Not just kidding. <laughs> but you have those moments, right? So right away, you look for light. Right? The moment you think, you know, our boys love those little night lights and you flick them on. And so in darkness, people will see a great light. What is that already beginning to show us? Hope is coming. Right? For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Now, I don't know about you, but this is good news for you and I. Because in this earth, you know, before Jesus, we lived in complete darkness. All we had, I mean, we were spiritually blind to anything out here. Anything spiritually speaking, we were blind to. But Jesus came and he brought us hope. He brought us light again. Right? Next verse, verse 3. It says this, and I love this. This is just saying what God's going to do with us people. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. Man, think about that for a moment. You've been in complete darkness for such a long time. Remember when you found Jesus, you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What was the first thing that took place? Rejoice. You saw, and what happened? What came into you? Rejoice. Let's just say rejoice. You got happy. You got excited. Anybody else had that? You accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What came? Joy. I mean, that was the first thing that you see the disciples. When Jesus rose from the dead and he came to the disciples, they got... Uh, they, they saw Jesus. They experienced the born-again part of it. What happened? They were filled with joy. It's the first thing that Jesus came and we got birth on the inside of us. They say they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. Click. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned and they will be fuel for the fire. For a child, now notice how God's going to do this. Right, you hear about this. Right, you hear the different things such as <laughs> the, he's going to break the yoke of slavery. He's going to enlarge. He's going to lift heavy burdens. He's going to break the oppressor's rod. How's he going to do this? For a child is born to who? To us. Say to me. A child is born to me. A son is given to me. This is how he's going to do it. And the government is going to rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Keep going. His government and its peace will never end. Aren't you going? This is not good news. It was not going to end. His rule will, with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity, and I love this, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. This is a decision that he made. He is going to make this happen. So if you are held bound by any kind of yoke, meaning anything that you know, the enemy is trying to put on you, or a burden, guess what's going to destroy that? It's the passionate commitment of the Lord. It's his desire to break that off of you. And how is he going to do that? Through his son, Jesus. That was the whole plan. This is what he's going to do. So that's why we make a big deal about this man, Jesus. 
Because what did he came to do? He came to destroy that yoke. He came to destroy that burden. So this morning, if you feel that you've been burdened, any kind of yoke, anything heavy on you, guess what? It's God's will that it be broken off your life today. Not one day, today. Right? Just say, today's the day. I'm not taking that anymore. Right? We're done with that. Jesus paid too high of a price for you to be burdened down by things that are going on in this life. He loves you too much for it. Right? So now we hear about this. The son is given to us. A child is birthed for us. Now I want you to go to Luke chapter 2. I just, again, I'm just talking about these good gifts. And this is, again, talking about the, the, when Jesus was born. This is kind of a recount of it. But if you just think about even how Jesus came to this earth, wasn't it supernatural in itself? I mean, an angel appears before a lady, a girl named Mary, and says, Mary, you have found favor with God, and you are going to have a baby. Oh, wow. Okay, um, I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. And how many know, naturally speaking, is it possible to have a baby without a man and a woman? Don't make me go biology on you. Do you need a man and you need a woman? You need a seed and you need an egg. Well, all of a sudden, Mary's hearing this. You're going to have a baby. Well, I, I, how's that going to be? I have an egg, but I got, I, I got no seed. And he, the angel says, the seed of the word, the seed of God is going to come into you, and you are going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. Oh, and he is going to be the savior of the world. He's going to get rid of all the sin of all mankind. I mean, wow, amazing. So now as the time goes on, and now here we are at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now Jesus is born, and now it's just so wonderful. At the birth of Jesus, I know a lot of times when, you know, moms just have babies or just families have babies, they want, you know, some privacy. Well, Mary didn't really have that option. <laughs> People got excited about this birth that was coming. And so you hear, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you what? What is he bringing them? Come on, somebody, say it like you mean it. What is it? Good news. When you hear good news, what do you do? Woo! You get excited about it. I bring you good news that will bring what? Great joy to who? All people. Are you an all people? Yeah, so this news and this joy is available for you. No matter how dark and how brutal your past may be, or may how things, bad things may be looking like for you, there is good news and great joy that's available for you. It's available to all people. Next, verse 10. He says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. So not only there's just one angel now there telling this good news. Suddenly what happens? The angels can't contain it anymore. The angel was joined by a vast voice of others. And what they do? The armies of heaven praising God. So they went from one angel to a bunch of them. And now they're celebrating. And what are they saying? Woo, okay, let's say it like a group of angels. Can we do that for a moment? <laughs> Glory to God in the highest heaven. Now, what did, it, what did it sound like? Think about it. The Savior, the one who is going to restore mankind again, who's going to be the deliverer, the light that is shining in darkness. He's back. What did these angels do? What do you think it sounded like? Okay, wow, that was... That was fun, hey? 
Can we try that all together one more time? And we're going to continue on until there's the period, right? Okay, ready? Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Is he pleased with you? Yes. Why? Is it because of anything that you've done? No, because Jesus is here. Jesus came. There's now peace between God and mankind again. And we're going to talk about that next week, peace. But this is so wonderful that God is not angry at the world anymore. People may even be thinking, oh, you know, God is sending judgment on different parts of the world because of, you know, their sin. No, God is not like that. He is a good God. He's a God of peace and He made peace with us. And we're going to find that out. He did that for us. Man, I'm so thankful for Jesus. Next. So when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, whoa, <laughs> wow, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So off they went. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. Now you just think about it. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have, you know, the maps app on your phone to find out where this all was. What do you think that they did in this nighttime banging on doors? Where is this baby? How many people do you think they woke up? Lots. But they, were, they couldn't contain it. They were so excited. So they finally found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told who? <laughs> Everyone. I don't care if you were asleep. You were going to find out what just happened. Everyone, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story was astonished. Man, you just think about it. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Is that verse 20? There it is. So Jesus is now the hope of our world. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 21, you know, it says this about the Lord. This is, again, Isaiah prophesying about who the Lord is. And it says this in Matthew 12, 21, and his name, if I say his name, his name will be the hope of the world. His name. What's his name? Jesus. His name, Jesus, will be the hope of the world. And I want to give you a couple of the translations here. It says this in the Passion Bible. The fame of His name will birth hope among the people. The Message Bible, it says this. The mere sound of His name will signal hope even among far-off unbelievers. Did you know that when you even just say the name of Jesus around people and they're not born again, something's going to strike in them. Jesus. Oh. Yeah, well, what, what is it? it? Even it says here, the, the message Bible says, even at the mere sound of his name, it will begin to birth hope in people. Because we know it's this name, Jesus, that we've all been saved. Now, again, I want to just bring you back a, a little bit before we talk about this good news. But Ephesians chapter 2, Paul, I just, I love this. You know, he always reminds us, going back, if you look at his letters and readings, he always refers back and he always tells you and I, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget this. And he says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, um, you got it there, it says, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Now, what is an outsider? <laughs> There's a smart aleck back there. All right, yeah, you got it. Somebody who's on the outside, all right? <laughs> very, very wise. Now, what is it? If you are an outsider, what is your goal? You want to be now on the inside. You want to come in on the inside. And let me just put a quick pause in. If you're visiting, if this is your first time here, we want you not to feel like an outsider. We want you to be on the inside. You're part of the family here. Yeah. Right? Well, you, those big signs there, you belong here, we actually mean that. Yeah. That's just, we didn't have plenty of, we had so much wall that we had to put some words up there. Now that's something that's been birthed in us. We are a big family here. 
you know what we love about this is that, you know what God says? He takes the lonely and he puts them in families. And so we want to welcome you. If you're just wondering and you're kind of looking around if this is where I'm going to stay, you belong here. We want to make this home available to you to grow, to learn, and to grow with us. But I love this. You know what Paul says? Don't forget at one time you used to be an outsider. And then he says you were called an uncircumcised heathen. Doesn't that feel good? <laughs> By the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Verse 12, it says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. Living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. You lived in this world. What does it say? Without God and without hope. Now, what, what happens if you are without God and without hope? What, do you, what kind of state of life are you living despair, hopelessness. What does that look like? If you are hopeless, anybody ever feel felt hopeless before? Yeah, there's been times I've felt hopeless for sure. But what happens when you have those? If without God and without, without hope, what does that state look like? Anybody ever seen anybody that looks hopeless? What is it? Head down. Man, you can tell by just their body language. They, they, they're scrumped up. Their hands are folded, eyes to the ground. They're just this miserable state that they look in. Man, and this is what happened. This is the lifestyle that you and I had before Christ, before we were with God. Because listen, no God, no Jesus, no hope. But when you have Jesus, you get hope with him. Because Jesus, again, his name is the hope of the world. So with Jesus, what do I have? I got great hope. I have huge hope. But apart from him, how is the world? What is the state that the world is in? They are hopeless. They got nothing to look forward to. So as we continue on, now look at verse 13. But it says, but now, say but now. But now. Right now, that means right at this moment. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You are no longer an outsider. You are no longer distant. You are no longer far away from him. You've been brought close and you've been brought near. You know, just even what's stirring in my heart is we go into these series and start going into this. But you know what? People need Jesus. They need him. And for a lot of different reasons, people got needs all over the place, but there is only one who can fulfill this all, and it's Jesus. Now, I know for myself, the Lord is really starting to awaken me just to see people the way that he sees them. And I know it's very, you know, it's kind of a cliche Christian saying, oh, I just, I started looking him through the eyes of God. And yeah, you know what? That's, that's exactly what I want to be doing. Because, you know, even just one example that the Lord brought to my attention just this past week as I was just thinking about people in general. But, you know, what? a lot of times you have a certain mindset that comes along with people that are drunk driving, right? And they get, in a, they get in a wreck or they get in an accident. And the first thought, you know, that may come into your natural thinking is they deserve that, right? Stupid decision. Why on earth did you do that? All of a sudden, I've been seeing just things changing on the inside of me. And it started to open up my heart. No, they, they need Jesus, yeah, there's stupid decisions. Absolutely, there's stupid decisions. And there's consequences for those stupid decisions. But they need Jesus. And I'm just starting to look at people, even at times at the cashier, when you're Christmas shopping, when you're doing whatever you're doing, look at people with these eyes. They need Jesus. What do they need? They need hope. Right? I was talking to a lady not too long ago. Uh, I believe she had just, where was this? This past week. And uh, I was at Walmart. And she was just telling me she's got three full-time jobs. And going, oh my goodness. And she goes from one to the other to the other. And it's great. Hard work is great. That's what we're all about. 
But at the same time, she just looked hopeless. So what a great opportunity. Jason and I were there. We had an opportunity just to say, we just want to let you know that God, he loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's not angry with you. He's for you. Just very simple. And, oh, thank you. That, that, that helps. Any type of way that we can infuse hope into a situation, let's do so. Because you and I, that we have hope, guess who we are now? We are now hope distributors. This is what we can do. In a world that is, you know, frustrated, that is hopeless, and that's full of despair, you and I, we are now hope to these people. So they need to see your smile. Right? Even though you may think it's so simple and so ordinary, give them the best smile that you got. You may look creepy, but give it to them. Man. Give it to them. What's wrong with you? I got hope. Right? You got to share it with them. Because, but now... You have been united with Christ Jesus. Right now. Right now. Say right now. You've been united with him right now. Not someday. Not one day. It's right now. You are close near to him. Cool, right? So now let's just define hope. What is hope? Anybody know what hope is? Yell it out at me. Expectation. It is confident expectation. So when you hear the word hope, what are we saying? Confident Expectation. Ready? Hope. 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 Confident expectation. Oh, that's a little bit easier to say then, right? But I want you to think is a lot of times people have this and they use the word hope as wishful thinking. Oh, I, I hope that this takes place. I hope that this pans out. That's not what we're talking about. That's wishing. When you have hope, you have a security. You have a knowing on the inside of you that this will take place. I know it. You know, a lot of times people, even before we even get into faith, you need hope. Because yeah. a lot of times people are talking about faith, and that's, that's good. I mean, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We are a faith bunch here. But before that even takes place, you got to have some hope. you got to hear His promises. you got to hear the goodness of God. And you got to get your hopes way, way, way up. You got to get your expectation, your confident expectation way up so that your faith has something to go after. But you got to start somewhere. And where do we start as believers? We start at hope. This confident, joyful expectation that I know, that I know, that I know that God does this for me. You got to know this, right? Okay, we're all on the same page here. Okay, so now how do I get hope? Where does hope come from? Hope comes from hearing the gospel. It comes from hearing the good news, what Jesus has done for us. Right? When you hear the promises of God, what gets stirred up on the inside of you? Well, if God would do that for so-and-so, yeah, he'd do that for me. You look at anybody in the New Testament, especially if you read through the gospels, anybody that received anything from Jesus, it started off by having a very high expectation. For example, the woman with the issue of blood. Remember her? She was sick for 12 years. Went to the doctors, couldn't, she spent all that she had, she didn't get better. In fact, she got worse. When she heard about Jesus, what did that do? It built up this expectation on the inside of her. If I can just get to him, what's going to happen? I shall be made whole. Now her faith was working, but her expectation was so high that she was willing, now listen to this, she was willing to go against the entire law and go and touch this man Jesus. See, the law told her at the moment, if you were unclean, you were not allowed to be in public setting. You weren't allowed to be there. If you were, you had to yell, unclean, 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 so people could clear the streets from you. Now, she defied all of that because she had this huge expectation on the inside of her. She had what? Hope. 
built up so strong in her thinking and in her heart, she said, if I just go and touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. What did this expectation do? It drove her to do something that is totally contrary to what the law actually said. But what happened at the end of it? Did she get her miracle? Absolutely. But where did it all begin? She heard about Jesus and it built hope up on the inside of her. You know, another good man that we really talk a lot about is Abraham. Now, it actually says in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, having no hope, he believed in hope anyways. So what did he do? Abraham, you think about it for a moment. Abraham, what did God promise him? At 75 years old, what was the promise? You're going to have a... You're going to have a baby, Abraham. Woo! Now, wouldn't that be awesome news for those that are 75 plus? You're going to have a baby. Shoot. <laughs> what would you do in that situation? But this was a promise that, this was a, this was, listen, this was a desire that was in Abraham and Sarah's heart. They wanted this child because they had, they had all this. God had blessed them with all of this. He said, I wanted an heir. And so what did God do? He said, Abraham, you are going to have a son. And it's through this son that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's through this boy that the, the nation was going to be born. But what happened? 75 years old, he hears this promise. And what happens? It didn't come for another 20 years later. When he's 99 years old, sorry, that's a bit more than 25 years later. When he's 99 years old, here comes the baby boy. What did he do? What was Abraham so strong in? Hope. He was strong in hope. And I want to just read it to you here for a sec. Romans 4.18, it said, Against all odds, when it looked hopeless. How many of you are actually facing even things that look hopeless? Anybody? All right, three people, four. Yeah, there's a few things. It may look hopeless, but let me encourage you, get your hope back up again. How do I do that? I go back to what God promised me. I go back to what he said. What did God promise you? Well, I'm speaking to somebody's physical body. You're dealing with physical pain in your body. And what happens? Oh, man, I prayed and it didn't happen. Well, okay, maybe that could be the case, but do not just stop there. It didn't work. Get your hope back up. Your faith may not even be the issue. It's your hope. It's your hope. You've got to get your hope way back up again. Get it up. Get it up as high as it can possibly go so that every time that you see something, every time that you think of it, you just go, thank God, this is what he said. You have to get your expectation way up. And no matter what, no, other you know, professionals and things like that, they actually try to teach people to get their hopes down. Well, don't get your hopes up. Have you ever heard that before? Don't, you know, don't get your hopes up. You know, this, this is kind of a tricky thing. We've never seen this before. Who cares? Jesus is our hope. Get your hopes as high and as high as they possibly can go. Abraham, being without hope, what is it now? 99 years old. How's that going to work? <laughs> Sarah, how is that going to work? Even conceive. She couldn't conceive when she's 20. Now she's 80 and she's going to have a baby? It, is, it looks impossible, but God is amazing at impossible situations. So what does he need? We've got to get our hopes up in him again. Let me continue reading. Romans 4.18, against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. Say, believe the promise. Believe. Expect God to fulfill it. There it is. What is it that you're facing that looks hopeless to you? What did God tell you? And expect him to do it. Right? Okay. 
He says, he took God at his word, and as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass, which was, your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. Now, guess who you and I are? We are descendants of this promise. <laughs> you're, a you're a child of Abraham. But you think about that for a moment. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> but against all odds, what did he do? Refused to pay attention to those things, and he continued to look forward to the promises of God. That's what he did. So everybody say, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up, get your hopes up as high as they can. Now you and I, let me just give you a natural example that you've experienced now, and I do apologize for the sound. Thank God. My hope is we're getting a new sound system. I got my, I know it. I, I know it. I can see it. I can hear it, and it sounds glorious. You guys think my voice may be a little bit high-pitched. It's actually more manly than these things actually give it out to actually be. But, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, it's a true story. <laughs> but I want you just to take another example just of your own personal salvation. Now, what happened when you heard the gospel for the first time? You heard about Jesus dying, taking the punishment of all sin for all mankind. He died with it. He went to hell with it, and he rose again from the dead with it. What did that do on the inside of you? Do you remember? Come on, what did it do on the inside of you? It brought this, oh, this expectation. I can trust this man. I can trust him. So what did you do? You called out to him. You said, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. You rose again for me. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Change my life. Do with what you want with it. And at that moment, the Bible says you're what? Saved. I need to show this to you. Go to Romans chapter 10. I want you to see this. Because again, everything, it stems on this hope. Jesus came to restore this hope to us again. And as believers, we should not be having our heads down. We got to get our eyes up again. But Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> and let's look at verse 9. It says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will what? Will never be disgraced. You put your trust in Jesus, what's going to happen? You will never, ever be disappointed. What's his name again? His name is the hope of what? The world. Notice it doesn't say, you know, Joel or Eric or Jamie or Ingrid or John. It's not the hope is in that. It's his name. His name. Listen, your eternal destination has been wrapped up by one name. Just think about that for a moment. You heard the gospel. You heard the good news. And you said, Jesus, I believe in you. And what happened? God recreated your spirit. That old man is dead and gone, and a new life has begun on the inside of you. But where did it all begin? It began with hope. You heard about what Jesus had done for you, and it stirred up on the inside of you. I can believe this man. I can run to this man. I can call on him, and he'll never disappoint me. And the result is now your eternal salvation has been completely and solidified in what Jesus has done for you. How many of you are confident of heaven? Oh, come on now. How many of you are confident of it? Yes. Tomorrow's not promised. So if you were to go today, do you know exactly where you're going? You have to. You can't make up your decision, your mind up there. It's too late. You've got to do it here. 
And so this is what's so wonderful that John, the Apostle John tells us this. He writes these words down so that you may know that you know that you know that you have eternal life. This is what Jesus is trying to get across to us. I'm the hope of the world. Believe in me. Now, I mean, just, I mean let's just take a little side thing here for a sec. How many of you have a, a, a loved one that has gone home to be with the Lord? Right? We, we all have a loved one that has gone there. Now, I want you to look, go to 1 Thessalonians for a moment, chapter 4, and I want to show you this because, you know, we have a hope in Jesus. Now, you don't, you've, had anybody seen the Lamb's Book of Life before? No. How do you know your name's in it? it you, you've heard it, right? You, you believe that. But you have no physical evidence. So what are you doing? You're actually hoping that it's in there. Not wishing. You have a confident expectation that it's in there. So where are you going when you die? I'm going there. Why? Because my name's in. But what are you living it off of? Oh, it's, it's hope. It's all hope, right? Okay, I want you to see this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and look at verse 13. Beloved brothers and sisters, we want to be quick... Sorry, we want you to be quite certain about the truth concerning those who have passed away so that you won't be overwhelmed with grief like many others who have no hope. Now, those that do not know Jesus, those that do not know the Lord, there is no hope. And what kind of, what kind of atmosphere is that? Man, it's horrible. It's dark. It's, it's gloomy. It's despair. It's, it's horrible. So he says, verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again... We also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who died while believing in Him. This is the word of the Lord. We who are alive in Him and remain on earth when the Lord appears will by no means have an advantage over those who have already died, for both will rise together. For the Lord Himself will appear with the declaration of victory. Come on, what is a declaration of victory? That's not wimpiness or sadness, man. We, we got this. We're the winners in this. The shout of an archangel and the trumpet blast of God. He will descend from the heavenly realm and the command those who are dead in Christ to do what? To rise first. Woo! This is then we who are alive will join them, transported together in clouds to have an encounter with the Lord in the air. And we will forever be joined with the Lord. So encourage one another with these truths. So I know because Christmas brings up a whole lot of feelings because you have maybe family members that, you know, this is, we miss them during this time. And yeah, you, of course we miss them because they're not here. They're, they're in a better place, not shoveling like we are, you know. <laughs> they're doing very well up there. But this form of missing. But so Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Yeah, the miss is here, but guess what? They're not lost. God knows exactly where they are. They're with him. And so Paul says, encourage one another with these words. So anybody that goes home to be with the Lord, I don't really feel sorry for them. They're actually better off. Rock on. I want to go too in my time. <laughs> but it says that just to bring yourself, expect, have this high expectation of hope again. Now I want to just show you this picture. You know, just, I, I love this picture. Uh, for me, the, the Christmas season, just talking about hope. But to me, this is a look of hope. And I want you to see this. This is Simeon. And he holds this baby Jesus. Anybody ever read about Simeon? Yeah. I want you to go there. Luke chapter 2 again. I want you to see about this man. But I, I love this picture. Can you just, can you just see this man? This, here's a, an elderly gentleman who is just beside himself with this baby boy. Like what does it look like to you when he's holding this baby? What is he doing? He's 
crying. He's laughing. He's got all, like, he's got the ugly cry going on. And it's just, you know, everything is coming out. Man, he, he's excited about this. But I, to me, this is what hope looks like. Complete joy, complete hope, complete peace, complete, you know, experiencing the love of God. This is who he is. So I, I know, you know, I've, I've, I've said this a lot, and I, I want to just repeat it again to you. But you can look down and be oppressed. You can look around and be depressed. But you can look up and be impressed. And this is what God calls us as believers to do, is to continue to keep our eyes up. Look up. Your hope is there. Your Jesus is there. That's where it all begins. But in Luke chapter 2, I want you just to see this, this man's testimony and story. Verse 25, it says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him. Now just think about it. <laughs> he just heard a promise. You are not going to die until you see my deliverer. Until you see him. Now this man, he's, he's getting up in age. right? He's saying, man, I'm, I'm going to be here for a very long time until I see this, this whatever, the Lord's salvation. Verse 27, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation. What is all this? Man, this is his hope speaking. Man, I, I've seen him. This is it. Verse 31, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what had been said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has seen... He has been seen, he has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will even pierce your very own soul. Jesus is our hope. He's it. He came for you and I to reestablish our hope yet again. What is the hope of the world? It's his name. What's his name? It's Jesus. So no matter what, as I said earlier, no matter what you may be facing you know, naturally speaking, you may be seeming some pretty difficult situations with relationships. Things may be going on in your physical body. Things going on in your mindset. Things happening in your job. What I would encourage you to do, we got to get our hope up again. How do we get our hope up? Go back. What is the promises that he said to you? What has he talked to you about? What has he told you? Remember those? Maybe it's in your diary or something. What has God said to you? Look back at those things. Stir your own self up and see this is what he promised me. And don't settle for anything less than what he said. If he promised physical healing in your body, he's already provided it for you. Don't settle with 99% being okay. Go for the 100%. Get your hope up again. So let me encourage you. We know this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says all the promises of God in him are what? Yes, yes and yes. amen. What does amen mean? So be it. And I made this cute joke last night. I'm part of the so be it union. That's who we are. <laughs> I know, that's real corny. But this is who we are. We are part of this so be it union. What has he said to you? Man, I love it. Mary hears this. You're going to have a baby. So what did she say? Oh, I don't know. This can't happen. I don't know how that's going to work. Get, get out of that. That's where you confuse everything. 
If God said it, stay on his side. If he says you're going to have a baby, just say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. That's all she had to do. That's all that's required of you. You're not supposed to heal yourself. You're not supposed to deliver yourself. That's not your job. What's your job? To hope in the one who's able to do it. Against all odds, against what it looks like, Abraham believed and made a choice to believe what God said. Get your hope up as high as it possibly can go. And if anybody tells you otherwise, oh man, don't get your hopes up. You know, those things, it's very rare to actually see those things happen. Forget it. In fact, stay away from that person until they start seeing it like you do. Get your hopes up. And that's why we even got people in this church. If you're feeling a little bit of hopeless, start rubbing shoulders with some people. Well, they'll slap you a little bit. Get your hope up, man. We're not going to wallow with you. Oh, oh, that must be so difficult for you. And listen, yeah, we want to emphasize and we want to hang out. Yeah, let's talk. But we're not going to leave you in this pit. Jesus paid too big of a price for you to be in a pit going, oh, I guess this is not going to happen. Let this Christmas season be the season that you see it. That you got it. That you hold on to it. Even against all odds. Forget about this. This is what God promised me. I see it. I got it. My hope is locked onto it. Now my faith is able to work on something. And that's where we're going to be going in January. We're going to be talking about this. Ah, Praise the Lord. Because again, why can we hope so high? Why can we get our hopes up? It's because you've been adopted. Well, who, what gives you the right to believe and you know, think so high and get your hopes up? I've been adopted by my heavenly father. Yeah, he's maybe God to you, but to me, he's my daddy. I got the best daddy in the entire world. And what will he do for me? If he gave me Jesus, what else would he give me? Everything. Everything. You know, Romans chapter eight fifteen it says that we have a spirit within us. We have not received the spirit that's of the world that brings us again to bondage to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. What do we cry out? Abba, Father, Father, Daddy. No matter what the situation, no matter how hopeless it is, don't forget that you have been adopted by the Most High God, and now you can call Him Daddy. You call Him that. And what good father would not withhold any good gifts from his children? Man, if He gave you Jesus, He would give you everything else. Man, isn't that wonderful? You're not hopeless. So last thing that I want to just make mention is just the season that we're entering in. Let's be people who look up, but let's also be people that help others look up. It's so easy to look around here and focus on what's not happening and what's not working. Let's help people get their eyes up. And how do we do that? Let's talk talk about the promises of God. What did God promise me? What did God say about this situation? What did God say specifically in His Word? Because whatever He said, I'm going to believe this. So let's be those people. If you are a person who has great hope, let's spread it. Because again, the world needs hope. They need it. No matter where you go, where you're at, think about it. This is an opportunity to just, you know, infuse somebody with hope. Every time you're in the store, I'm going to just leave some hope here. And what is that doing? I'm helping people get their eyes off of just the mundane and the frustration and the Christmas season that's going on. I'm going to help them get their eyes up to what Jesus has done for us. He paid too high of a price for you and I just to be okay in life. If you're not living this life to the full till it overflows, we haven't actually started living yet. And I know I haven't reached that yet, but that's where I'm going. And so what am I doing? The Lord's been encouraging me. Get your hope back up. Lift it. Raise it. What did I tell you? What did I promise you? What did I say about this situation? And I'm going to start focusing on that rather than what's happening over here. 
Okay, yeah, this may be taking place, but that is subject to change. What God promised me cannot change. So what can I do? I can throw all of my confident expectation, my hope in what he said and expect that to take place. Even in the midst of this stuff going on, I'm going to lock my eyes on that. Can you see that? This is who we are. So let me encourage you. How do we get hope? Hearing the promises, the good news of the gospel. Right? What is hope? Come on. What is hope? Wishful thinking? No. So every time you say, oh, I hope so. Well, wait, just correct yourself. Go, wait a minute. I, my confident, what am I confident expecting here? This is what I'm expecting. Let's get our hope back up. Amen. Let's all stand.